This is Talkback, 721-1290 or 1-800-568-5309. This is News Talk KGVO, AM 1290 and 98.3 FM. KGVO, Missoula's news and weather station. Hey, welcome, welcome, ladies and gentlemen. It's the Wednesday, January 31st edition of Talkback. Talkback this morning is brought to you by Y West Storage out at the Y on Two Smokes Way. You want to find out if I have a, a, a storage a unit for you? Give them a call at 406-510-0590. At Y West, they're making room for you. Phillips Janitorial Residential and Commercial Cleaning with no job too big or small. Here's their number, 266. 606617. Also brought to you by Gomer's U.S. Diesel Parts. No matter how cold it gets, Gomer's has everything you need to make sure your rig starts every time. Located at Palmer and West Broadway. And by Harrington Surgical Supply, where their mission remains the same. To restore confidence and comfort into your daily life. The views and opinions expressed on TalkBack are not those of the staff, management, or advertisers. Well, hail, hail, the gang's all here. First of all, we want to say a hello to uh, Nick Christensen, who doesn't have a microphone. Hey, Nick! <laughs> all right. Joining us in the studio this morning, we have our county commissioners. This is County Talk, and we are privileged, surprisingly, to have all three of our commissioners here today. Uh, Dave was supposed to be on a flight, but... Uh, as you can look outside. Pea soup uh, out there. Th- that's right. So the, the, the air guys say, hey, Dave, go, go be on your radio show. All right. Our county commissioners here in studio, the, of course, Dave Strohmeyer, Josh Slotnick, and Juanita Vero, and a special guest here in the studio, Missoula County Engineer Shane Stack. How are you? I'm well. Thank you for All having right, me. So we have a lot of things to talk about. So let's set the agenda. Dave, go ahead. Well, Happy New Year, everyone. Great to be here, Peter. By, by the way, the phone lines are open at 721-1290. Uh, if you have, you have a, a question from one of our county commissioners, they're here until 9 o'clock this morning, so go ahead. Yeah, so we have a lot of work going on in Missoula County and plans in the works in Missoula County related to infrastructure. And so for some time, we've been planning on having our chief public works officer, Shane Stack, in here to join us to talk about that topic One emerging topic that many folks might be interested in is the recent bridge closure of McClay Bridge. And so we want to fold that into the discussion, the broader discussion of infrastructure in Missoula County and some of the other plans for bridges. This is the second bridge in the past few months that has been closed in Missoula County, Uh, the other one being Boy Scout Bridge. Shane can talk a little bit about that also. And then, of course, I'm sure folks have questions about any other topic under the sun out there uh, across the, the landscape of Missoula County. So. Absolutely. So, let's, Shane, let, let's get started talking about bridges. Obviously, you mentioned Boy Scout Bridge and now McClay Bridge. So what's going on? <laughs> Since you're, you're, the, you're the chief engineer, so tell, tell us what's happening. Yeah, well, I, big picture-wise, I think we've got some old bridge structures um, that have probably been needed to be replaced for years now, um, but we also have limited resources. And so we always have to balance those needs, of what we're spending our money on and, and um, what we can and can't do. So Now there's only so, many re- so much repair that can be done to an aging bridge, right? Sure, sure, right. And, and with, when you start talking about Boy Scout, uh, the current cost Up associated- in Lake. Yep, in Sealy Lake. Uh, you know, we, we originally had an estimate on that before it was closed, replacement cost is probably around six million because it is closed now the original plan was to use the existing bridge as a work bridge and now we're going to have to construct a whole separate bridge as a work bridge because the the existing structure will not hold the heavy equipment to build a replacement bridge half at a time so 
that's jumped up to over $11 million now. Um, and so the cost to replace these structures is more than probably the county has resources to, to do. And I, let's jump to McClay. Um, I think MDT's current estimate on that is probably in the neighborhood of all in 28 to $29 million. The construction alone, you're looking at 18 to 19 million. Um, the county at $1 million a year or less in revenue for the bridge program, it just, we don't have the resources to um, replace all of these structures. And so, so you're looking for grants. Exactly. And we'll, we'll talk about the grants, yeah. I think. And yeah. it's important that, you know, we take advantage of the federal funding that's available to us to really what that does is it extends our limited resources um, a lot further than they normally would be able to go. Shane, can we just jump back to last Thursday and sure. why? I mean, that, 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 that closed so quickly on yes. Thursday and, uh, and well, folks are- We have about, we'll give you 30 seconds story. to explain that and we have to take a break. So go ahead. Why, why, why did the bridge close? Okay. McClay and I, and I, and I, yeah, and it will probably you know need more close. than 30 okay. seconds. Okay. Well, we'll go ahead and take the break now. <laughs> I'm, I'm getting my engineer saying, take the break. Okay. We're going to come right back. 721-1290 is our number. Uh, it's County Talk. Uh, it's been a while since we've had our county commissioners here in the studio. And Shane, thank you for sharing your time with us. We're going to come right back after this. Honey, would you? Freezing fog will continue to be a problem for the Missoula, Bitterroot, Mission, and Flathead Valleys through Thursday and could be persistent all day long because of the strong high-pressure ridge. Very little wind to allow mixing. Where the sun does come out, though, in the afternoon, highs will once more climb to around 50 degrees. Overnight lows remaining in the upper 20s and low 30s. A weak disturbance will bring a chance of rain Friday, especially for northwest Montana, and that could lead to more freezing rain with light snow in the passes. That chance of rain climbs to 60% in Missoula by Friday night. It's not Missoula, it's Missouri. <laughs> anyway, all right, our, our, our county commissioners are here in the studio. It's County Talk, and uh, joining us here in the studio, of course, we have Josh Slotnick, Wendy DeVero, and Dave Strohmeyer, Shane Stack. Our county engineer is here in the studio as well. Now, I, I know you have a specific question to ask Shane, which will lead to a very good conversation. Yeah, thanks, so please Peter. go ahead. This is Josh. I just wanted to kind of tee this up. First, I wanted to say we are keenly aware of the massive disruption this has caused to people's lives. People's lives are upended because of this. And the closure of the bridge, as abrupt as it was, was a shock to us as well. The state inspects bridges, and then we learn about it. And this, we learned about it in the same afternoon that everybody else did. And we are still absorbing that shock. So first, I want to express some empathy and concern for everybody whose lives were disrupted. Secondly, I want to reiterate some of the questions that I've been getting. I live in that neighborhood. So I've been getting hit with a lot of really reasonable, super on-point questions, and I kind of wanted to feed them to Shane, as he is our subject matter expert on this. People have said to me, didn't you see this coming? How come you didn't fix it years ago when it was cheaper? Why did you delay? Hand those to Shane. <laughs> hi, 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 Shane. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. Well, and I think there's more questions than that, Josh, right? Yeah. Like, you know, you knew about this. Um, you know, you knew that the bridge would be closed months ago. And why are you just springing it on us now, right? And I... <laughs> So let's talk about. I didn't know about, the bridge was going to be closed it, months ago. Right, exactly. So <laughs> let's 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 talk. Not that it was going to be closed. Right, That's really really that. different. <laughs> okay, go ahead. Yeah, let's talk about that. So MDT inspects all bridges across the state that are longer than twenty feet, and I uh, and I think this is important. And I'm going to just throw like Prairie County out, for instance. Right, they probably don't have the expertise and the ability to go out and inspect these major bridges, and they probably have many of them. So MDT takes that role on. So Missoula County fits there as well. So we rely heavily on MDT staff and expertise to come out and inspect those bigger bridges, McClave, 
Bridge, for instance, falls in that category. They inspect the bridges every two years. They generally will give us a report. Um, they actually give us a quarterly report on all the inspections that they do, and they say, hey, here's a list of repairs that we think you should be doing on the bridges that we've recently inspected. Um, they also give us notification when they need to or when we need to close a bridge and when they're recommending that we close a bridge. And so last Thursday, uh, we were I, I was given a call, um, you know, probably a little after noon with a heads up. You're going to be getting a notice that says that you're going to have to close McClay Bridge. So just be prepared. And at that point, we started scrambling to figure out, all right, let's get our communications folks on board and make sure that we're getting that message out. And then at, you know, two o'clock, we're, we get the formal notification. And then we were already by that time, all right, here's, here are all the folks that we need to notify. And we sent that message out to make sure that we could get to everybody we possibly could in that short a time frame. We could have shut the bridge down Thursday afternoon. One of the things we were concerned about is, is like all the folks that they probably wouldn't know about it and they're headed home and now they reach the bridge and it's closed. So we said, look, let's just keep it open until 10 a.m. Make sure we give enough notice for everybody that they can still bring their kids to school, but they're going to have to know Friday afternoon they're going to have to go around. So there's kind of the, the story on, on Thursday and Friday. That's how we responded and reacted. One of the comments I did receive, too, is like, how come the school sent me a message and you didn't? Well, I don't have everybody's phone number. I don't have their email. But you know who does? The schools have all the information for parents. And so we reached out to the schools and said, hey, let your parents know this is going to be closed, right? So we are taking advantage of the folks that do have the ability to reach out. It's not that... We don't want to reach out. We just don't have everybody's contact. So, um, so there's a lo- kind of a long-winded story right there. Back to the inspection. MDT did the inspection in June of 2023, and then we find out in January of 2024. And then, and one of the questions is, why did it take so long? And you knew, well, we didn't know, and and so. We reacted as soon as we received that information. And I would reach out to MDT and ask those questions. My, my guess is that that's just the n- normal process of digesting all the information, evaluating the information, and then making a recommendation, then communicating that to um, the local agencies. And Boy Scout Bridge is no different. I think that inspection was done probably, I don't know, August. And then we find out in... I don't know, September probably that, okay, there's potentially something wrong. We need to lower the load limit to three tons. And then in November, you got to close it. Probably a little bit different timeline for McClay, but I would, you know, I, I can't speak for MDT and, and, and their internal processes. I just can speak for us. Well, let me ask you this, and we're almost up against another break here, and we do have a caller waiting. Uh, when these inspections come around, do they ever call you and invite you out to, to see the, to uh, join them during the inspection and talk with you during this? Or uh, is that they have their own schedule? They have their own schedule, and I suppose we could, we could ask them uh, to, to be on site with them, um, but never have gone out there. I think what was interesting is we were doing some work on, on McClay last year, doing some repair work. And at the, at that time we shared with the inspectors like, Hey, take a look at these um, stringers and, and, and the bearings on the West end. Now the, the, the work that I think that we need to, to improve on McClay based on you know, the reason why it was closed is the stringers on the East end. And, and, Really, it's right above the abutment, and they're called bearings that the, the, the stringers sit on. 
The stringers, or imagine an I-beam, if you will, the section loss is, is enough to where there's the potential risk that um, that's crushed if the, if the load is big enough. And right now, what, what they're unclear about is like, where's that load path? There's members carrying load right now that they weren't designed for. And so while the bridge is still standing and it, you know, it appears to the layperson that is perfectly fine, there is risk there. And so what we are going to do, and I've, we've been in contact with MDT and in our, uh, one of the consulting firms here in town that's helping us out with the South Avenue Bridge Project, HDR. So HDR is going to help us evaluate what repairs need to be done and then help us with an estimate. And then what we can do, what we can do then is um, look at the costs associated and the timeframes and evaluate like, should we make this repair and do we have enough time to make the repair or do you just keep it closed and wait for a new South Avenue bridge? So soon we'll know if we can do yeah. a short-term fix or okay. not. We're, we're going to come right back. And Ed has been waiting very patiently. We'll get his call on right after the uh, the break. Phone lines are open. This is County Talk. All of our, all three of our county commissioners are with us, as well as Shane Stack. He, of course, is the county engineer. We're talking about bridges and we'll be right back after this. All right, crew, let's get her dug. Honey, you want to give me a hand? I'm planting that tree, remember? No matter how large or small your digging project may be, no matter how urban or rural, you must always call 811 before any digging project. 811 is our national one-call number, alerting your local utility companies to come out and mark any lines they have near your dig site. You must call 811 at least two to three business days before any digging project so you can avoid hitting our essential buried utilities. This includes natural gas and petroleum pipelines, electric, communication cables, and water and sewer lines. So before you do this or this, make sure you do this. For digging projects big or small, make the call to 811. Brought to you by Common Ground Alliance. No word in the English language is less convincing than probably. Are you sure we should get matching tattoos on our first date? Sure. Um, we'll probably stay together. Probably? <laughs> it's been 23 minutes since I ate. I can probably swim. Uh, you should wait 30 minutes. Mm, okay, I'll tell me what to do. Cannonball! Cramp! Oh, I have a cramp. I can probably hit the green from here. Probably. Can I get a mulligan? Ready to go? Hey, are you sure you're okay to drive? Yeah, I'm pretty sober. Yeah, I'm probably okay. Probably okay isn't okay, especially when it comes to drinking and driving. If you're drinking, call a cab, a car, or a friend. Buzz driving is drunk driving. A message brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. Chris Domine is a husband and a father. Chris is an athlete. Chris is even an Iron Man. But 10 years ago, Chris was facing a very different story because his kidneys were failing. Basically, the doctor said, if you don't get a kidney transplant and if you don't do dialysis, you, you are going to die. Fortunately, Chris received a second chance at life made possible by an organ donor. You know, your well-being changes from loss of hope to hope to better times ahead. More than 100 million people in America are registered organ, eye, and tissue donors. People of every age and ethnicity. 
because they believe it's the right thing to do. Imagine what you can make possible by leaving behind the gift of life. Learn more and sign up as an organ, eye, and tissue donor. Go to organdonor.gov. A message from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Health Resources, and Services Administration. Welcome back to Talk Back. It's County Talk. I know Josh wanted to say something here real quick. Josh Schlotnick, before we take our first call. Go ahead. Thanks. I just wanted to ask Shane a question that I've been getting hit with a bunch and feel like I have an answer, but want to make sure that Shane has a chance to fully explain this. People are asking, can you just fix this in the short term while we're waiting for the new South Avenue Bridge? Yeah, and I I think we kind of touched on that. We can, and we'll know in the next two weeks um, what that fix is and the cost of that fix. And again, like I mentioned, we'll evaluate those costs uh, and determine whether or not it's, you know, worth the time and money and effort to, 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 to make the repair versus going forward with, um, you know, holding off the repair on the existing structure and just focusing all our efforts on the construction of a new bridge. And, and maybe that's a good segue. I don't know if you yeah. want to go to callers or if you want to just segue into where are we at with the South Avenue bridge project? I, I, I would love to know that just, yeah. just real quick, 30 seconds. Yeah. You know, we're, we're in the midst of, you know, trying to complete the NEPA document, national environmental policy act. And then there's also the national historic preservation act. And both of those really are, are where we're focused on. We want to make sure that the documents that we complete meet the expectations and requirements of both of those acts. And we need to do that in order to be firmly stable if there are folks that are maybe disagree with the project in the future and, mm-hmm. and may want to take other actions to, to, to stop the project, that, that, right? That we, those that process right now is with federal highways administration. It's and, not, that's, that's right. not us. That's the federal government. Let's get and to MDT. the, let's get and to MDT. The, let's get to the phones. Ed's been waiting the longest. Ed, thank you for your patience. You're on with our County commissioners and Shane Stack. Go ahead. Yeah. Thank, and thanks for coming on at eight o'clock instead of seven thirty. You know, those, those were surprises and sometimes we'd miss, miss some of your uh, presentation, but this whole thing came up a few years ago when the state said it was in bad shape. And as I remember, they had some money they were going to contribute, but not to fixing up the uh, old McKellie Bridge or building a new one with zigzag approaches, you know, in, uh, at that location. They wanted and would only uh, fund a South Avenue extension. But uh, the people in South Avenue rose up against it, uh, and uh, it never um, was done. So. Is the state going to re-up uh, its contribution to uh, to this uh, new South Avenue bridge that they would have uh, several years ago, maybe four years ago, maybe five years ago? Thanks. All right, Ed, thanks for the call. Shane. Yeah, Ed, time flies. So there was a study completed by MDT. Well, I think it was it was completed in 2012, 2013, and I, you, you know, you're you're spot on with with the the recollection. You know, there are certain um, efforts that would be funded entirely by MDT. One of those is the replacement of a South Avenue bridge, and that is still the case today. the The project is in MDT's tentative construction plan for 2026. It's fully funded. Um, the county would be on the hook for about thirty seven thousand dollars in in match. Um, other than that, it's all federal funding and, and state funding. So we're in a good situation there. It's just a matter of getting through the NEPA process, then completing all the pre-construction activities, which includes right-of-way acquisition, utility relocates, and all the engineering and design that goes along with that. And there's always risk of delay with those um, you know, 
steps in the process. Shane, so Shane. there's no guarantee that it happens in 2026, but that's what we're shooting for. Could, could you just explain uh, uh, the the assumption in, in the 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 question and and thanks to the caller for that thanks ed uh is that money monies were somehow turned away in the past and and things have stalled out and now maybe we need to seek out additional funding and and did we, that, did that actually lose, is not the case did we no. lose that window no, we no. didn't. In fact, we got and, more money. Yeah, and, and we've got a draft agreement on the table ready for signatures as soon as the NEPA document is done. And, and when the project was, gosh, this thing's been around for a while. So MDT, or sorry, Missoula County applied for off-system bridge program funding, which is managed by MDT back in 2002. And I think it was probably 2010 is when uh, the, the county and MDT really started to kind of work um on the, on a process to fund the the bridge replacement, I don't think it wasn't until like 2015 or 2016 when there was an actual agreement signed by MDT to fund the project. And at that time, Missoula County requested that they deliver the project, which is perfectly fine. Typically, what you see is MDT delivers the project; they take care of everything, funding, uh, design, engineering, all of it, and there's no really responsibility. From the county's perspective, the only thing that the county has to do is provide feedback to MDT to make sure whatever M, you know, product that MDT is providing the county and the locals there, uh, they, they just have to provide the feedback to, to MDT so they know what they you know, need to deliver for the locals. So the, again, the only difference is, is that Missoula County had, had decided we want to take the lead on the engineering component. And I think right now with the current commission, they want MDT to take that lead role back on. And, and so we're, where we're at now is once NEPA is done, we'll get it to call it 60% design at the county, hand that off. Uh, MDT takes it over from there and they move into construction, finish it. Again, it's just a matter of getting all those steps done first accurately before we run into uh, getting back into the pre-construction. We're going to come right back. We have Carl, the Montana vet, and Doug all waiting to visit with you. Now, the county commissioners are and, and Shane will only be, only be here till 9 o'clock this morning. And then it'll be Walt Kiro on from 9 to 10. So we'll be right back. Spark freezing fog will continue to be a problem for the Missoula, Bitterroot, Mission, and Flathead Valleys through Thursday and could be persistent all day long because of the strong high-pressure ridge. Very little wind to allow mixing. Where the sun does come out, though, in the afternoon, highs will once more climb to around 50 degrees. Overnight lows remaining in the upper 20s and low 30s. A weak disturbance will bring a chance of rain Friday, especially for northwest Montana, and that could lead to more freezing rain with light snow in the passes. That chance of rain climbs to 60% in Missoula by Friday night. All right, we are back on Talkback. It's County Talk. Let's redeem the time. We've got folks waiting on the line. Shane Stack and our county commissioners are all here. Carl, thank you for holding. You're on Talkback. Go ahead, sir. Um, i got to admire you, Pete, for asking the ultimate question that you asked as I was thinking it. How come the county individuals, especially the highway commissioner, don't tag team with the state or federal inspectors? That's how they could get the best education of reality of enlightening of the problems that need to be realized and also we got some wonderful listeners that bring back the gist of things you got a wonderful program thank you for your intelligence pete thank you thank you so much for for your call we appreciate it and uh yeah th- thanks to nick for for uh, putting this together all right so uh the question remains um you uh this the state and you pretty much act independently is that how that works or what 
when, when it comes to inspecting the bridges. Yeah, and it doesn't, I guess, it, I guess independent. Uh, I think there's somewhat of a partnership, though, too. With, yeah. we, we don't go out do, and do inspections with them. We're, right. One, gotcha. I don't have the staff time to, to, to <laughs> honestly, to, to just walk right. around and follow. Um, you know, we have, our, we, have a, we have plenty of work to do and, and not have to follow around an exactly. MBT inspector. So we'll, well, and hypothetically, we'll, we'll continue to rely on Carl, them. Carl, there, there, is, there is partnership. On, on, on the mic. Sorry, sorry, That's, Carl. Sorry. Yeah, this is Juanita. And, and Shane, maybe explain the partnership because I think Carl's concerned that, that we're operating in our silos and not working with MDT or with yeah. FHWA. I'm, I'm, I'm going to infer into Carl's question that if we had somebody kneeling down next to the inspector seven months ago and the inspector said, oh my goodness, this is terrible, our folks would have known right then. How, 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 what's the response to that? I, yeah, I, I, I suppose um, they would know. Uh, but... We don't At the get end to of the day, right, exactly. At the end of the day, it's MDT coming to us and saying, hey, we recommend you do something with this. Because not only are they doing the inspection, but they're also doing a, a load evaluation, right? So they're looking at this and saying, what what should the, the load restriction be, if any, on these structures? You don't know that just by looking at the, the members, right? So there's more process than just walking around and looking at things. Okay, let's get another call in. This is a Montana vet. Good morning, Mr. Vet. You're on with our county commissioners and Shane Stack. What's your question? Good morning. I've got a question addressed to Shane. He's the guy in the spotlight today. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, I live up in Milkwick, uh, out of Frenchtown. And for three years now, I've been asking the county to paint at least the center line on the paved part of Mill Creek because we just don't have people that live up there that understand what side of the road that they need to be on. I've been run off the road at least three times, once into the irrigation ditch there. And uh, I was told by the county or asked, well, it's only under $5,000. Why don't you pay for it and get it done? We'll paint it if you cough up the money. Well, I pay property taxes a lot. And uh, so I don't feel that I should do that. It's the county responsibility. And I think last year, uh, all of a sudden, I was seeing a bunch of belly dump trucks going up above Mill Creek. And uh, I guess it was a dust mitigation project. And you were putting down recycled asphalt up on the dirt road on Mill Creek. And I was just wondering what would be... What, where did you get the money for that dust mitigation? I, I'm sure that whole job was more than $5,000. And then I want to put a little question to the county commissioners. Since it's only $5,000, as the county tells me, uh, I would suggest ask you, county commissioners, why don't you pony up a couple thousand dollars out of the $100,000 wages that you get from the county and do that for the taxpayers of Mill Creek. We would really enjoy that. All Thank right. you. Mr. Vett. All right, okay, Shane, you first. Go ahead. Yeah, well, let's talk about the, the, the pavement markings. And, and I've had multiple conversations with, with, uh, with this gentleman. And, and what I would say is we have limited resources. So we typically budget, say, like $45,000, $50,000 a year just for pavements uh, and, and pavement markings. Sorry, just pavement markings uh, across the county. That doesn't go that far. We have a certain, I think we're like 11 or 12 miles that we absolutely need to uh, put down a center line or edge stripe. The rest of the, the rest of the roadways that are, are paved 
Um, they don't require it. If you look at uh, when we follow the you know, guidance uh, in the MUTC or the manu- manual on uniform traffic control devices, if I had an unlimited budget, we would make sure and mark all our asphalt roadways. But what I would say is a perfect example of you know how many gravel roads do we have out there? We have 180 miles of gravel roads. None of them have center line, and everybody seems to to get along just fine. And there there are roads that are paved that don't have any pavement markings, and people seem to 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 make it through just fine. And I've been up Mill Creek multiple times, um, and I I don't know that it's a necessity, and so that's why it hasn't been done. We'll talk about asphalt when we come back. From you break. bet. We've got uh, we also have Doug, Steve, and Kevin all wanting to visit with you, folks. <laughs> We're going to come right back with more of County Talk right after this. All right, crew, let's get her dug. Honey, you want to give me a hand? I'm playing that tree, remember? No matter how large or small your digging project may be, no matter how urban or rural, you must always call 811 before any digging project. 811 is our national one-call number, alerting your local utility companies to come out and mark any lines they have near your dig site. You must call 811 at least two to three business days before any digging project so you can avoid hitting our essential buried utilities. This includes natural gas and petroleum pipelines, electric, communication cables, and water and sewer lines. So before you do this or this, make sure you do this. For digging projects big or small, make the call to 811 brought to you by Common Ground Alliance. Hey, we're back on County Talk. Our county commissioners are all here. Shane Stack, county engineers here as well. And let's move on and get Doug on the line, get as many callers as we can. Doug, good morning. You're on, please. What's your question? Oh, I don't have a question. I have figured out how uh, the people there uh, can uh, have the two bridges they need. First of all, I drove up down uh, Reserve Street at the north end there's a bridge across Reserve Street and I've driven underneath it many times and I've never seen anyone walking across that bridge or riding a bicycle across the bridge so two years ago I went down and parked at the east end of that bridge and I sat there and waited waited no one crossed the bridge so I went underneath the bridge and I had no problem uh, going across to the other side of Reserve Street, underneath the bridge, there was plenty of time without getting you know hit, and I don't see why people couldn't uh, have done that instead of building the bridge. Well, finally, when I was over at the West End, I decided I would walk back over the bridge, and I encountered a girl, a gal who was probably college age, and she was riding her bike over the bridge, and she decided she would talk to me as we walked across the bridge, and she said she is using that bridge to get to work. And she said she had been going over the bridge for a year and a half, and I'm the first person she's ever had a chance to talk to. She said the bridge, and I could see it, is never used. So you pick up that bridge, either in one piece or several pieces, and you haul it over to the river, and you put the bridge to use over there. Now, for your Boy Scout bridge, well, I uh, there was a noise wall put across the rattlesnake on the north side of Interstate 90. And I went over there, I think the street was Cherry or something like that. It was on the north side, and I walked along there 
and uh, from Mount Jumbo to Van Buren, and it was pretty noisy. And then I waited until the bridge, uh, the noise wall was halfway up. They started the, bridge, the noise wall at the base of Mount Jumbo, and they got halfway to Van Buren Street, and I, I went down there, and I stood there, and I could not tell any difference in noise reduction. So I stopped at three houses uh, that were protected by the noise wall. Hey, Doug, we have a very, very limited amount of time. Can you wrap this up, please, so the chain and the county yeah. commissioners can answer well, you? Well, the, the noise wall, they said, didn't have any effect on the reduction of the noise. And besides, they'd gotten accustomed to it when they moved in. So you take and sell that noise wall to someone in the United States and use that money to build Boy Scout bridge. Okay, all right. There you go. All right, gentlemen and lady, uh, any, any comment on oh, that? I guess the first thing I would say is just jurisdictionally, uh, we are mixing apples and oranges just a little bit in that there, with only a few exceptions, does Missoula County government have any jurisdiction over what happens within the city of Missoula? But Shane? Right. Yeah, I don't know that there are any questions. Lots of okay. statements. So let's yeah, move yeah. on. Let's, let, let's yeah. get another call in. Uh, Steve, good morning. You're on with our uh, commissioners and Shane Stack. Go ahead. What's your question, sir? Hey, good morning. Which one of you covers Lolo and parts south of the county? The way it works with Missoula County is that uh, even though the county commissioners need to live in a specific district, we don't divvy up responsibility. So all three of us handle everything and every square inch in Missoula County. All right. So my, my ask of you is for one of you or all of you to please reach out to MDT with one request. Um, if you travel on Highway 93 south of Lolo, it is a regular occurrence to see accidents just south of Lolo. Um, and importantly, there are, have been a number of fatal head-on crashes just in the last year south of Lolo. Two weeks ago, a young man, a 15-year-old boy, was killed in, in one of these head-on collisions just south of Lolo. Um, if you just Google head-on collision Highway 93 Lolo, you'll find any number of examples that occur once every six months of people getting into head-on collisions and most of which result in fatalities. I attended, there was a recent listening session for what to do about that section. I attended that and provided the same feedback, though I don't think anyone really took note, nor did I hear about any plans to do this. But what we need is a concrete barrier, just like we have in the S-curves, that separate those lines of traffic from northbound and southbound. You're talking about people that are driving that every day, hundreds of, probably thousands of cars every day, going right at one another, you know, 65 miles an hour, sometimes more. And it, it, this problem and these unnecessary deaths could be solved so simply if someone would just, from MDT, would just authorize going down there with a few barriers, take it down to say, I don't know, it doesn't have to go all the way to Florence, but just some at some point have it dissipate so that people could be reminded to stay in their lanes um, how many more people need to die unnecessarily 
when such a simple solution exists. All right. So I'd, I'd really ask y'all to, to take action here and contact someone at MBT and ask them to take action. Okay. On all right. This. Thank, Thank you. you. Uh, go ahead, Shane. Shane, I think you should take yeah, this on. Well, the yeah, Shane stuff. Well, yeah. yeah and I, so I think... W- First, what I would say is we'll, we'll definitely pass along the message um, to MDT. And I know they are currently evaluating uh, the corridor from Missoula all the way to to Florence. And and I think, boy, I, I worked for MDT for over 20 years. And, and early in my career, this was a segment that was constructed. And I would tell you, this goes back to NEPA. And, and this is a, you know, <laughs> this is a long story, but... When Highway 93 was being designed and you were going through the NEPA process, there were a lot of folks in Ravalli County that did not want to see growth. And there were certain segments of Highway 93 where really the compromise was in order for you to get this highway constructed at the capacity that we know we're going to need in the future, you have to do it in such a way that it will not accommodate growth. Instead of doing things like zoning, and I, you know, they, I don't know that folks in Ravalli County want zoning. So their, their mechanism was at the time to, to try to eliminate growth is just four lanes, um, some shoulders, but no turn lane, right. Or no barrier. So why I say this and why this is important, the same story on South Avenue, right. It's important for people to participate because the decisions that we make today through the NEPA process will impact what South Avenue, for instance, will look like in the in the future. So, and as far as Highway 93, though, we have been engaged yes. with MDT yep. on the very project that's looking at the safety issues that the caller and they're, and they're they're well aware too. Good to know. We're up against a break. We have Kevin and Jeff both waiting, and only a few precious minutes left in county talk. And we really want to say thank you to our county commissioners and Shane. You guys are busy, and you came all the way down to the station to answer all these questions. We really appreciate it. We're going to come right back with more of Talk Back right after this. Uh, uh, some support that you're looking for for our from our community. Yeah, perfect. Thanks, Peter. Yeah, before we jumped into more questions, I wanted to make sure there were a few things we, we get to talk about. So we had mentioned some of the bridges in, in the Sealy, Swan, and in, in Greeno area. So there are, gosh, 58 bridges that, that we in, are getting inspected by MDT uh, every other year. Um, so those are bridges that are longer than, than 20 feet, right? And so out of all those bridges, we have five that are load posted and four that are uh, scour critical. And we've We've got a plan to try to address all of those bridges. Part of that plan right now is to um, replace bridges in the Sealy, uh, Swan, and Greeno area. So uh, the uh, the Sunset Hill um, Bridge over the Blackfoot is one of them. That's the old steel truss that goes over the Blackfoot. We've we've got a PER preliminary engineering report done for that. Uh, Riverview in Sealy Lake that is part of this bridge bundle. Uh, Boy Scout Bridge that is recently closed that's on the on the the project list uh glacier creek in condon and cold creek in condon all five of those bridges we are applying for federal grants uh to replace those bridges the first one is raise uh, it's the uh, rebuilding america's infrastructure with sustainability and equity is what raise stands for uh, right? love those acronyms <laughs> right? nice job and, 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 and frankly it's you know it's it's the old tiger or the old build right so we've 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 had these uh, funding uh, you know mechanisms used before in missoula and missoula county 
Um, the limit is 25 million on raise, and we've also we've, we've got some state funds. Um, Senate the last legislative session, Senate Bill 536 was passed. Uh, it dedicated 100 million dollars to infrastructure across Montana. 50 million goes to um, bridges that need to be replaced, like right away across the state. Like for you know those counties like Prairie County that don't have the funding to replace those bridges. There is uh, 20 million going to communities that have a population of 10,000 or less. There's 20 million going to quick fixes. Um, Glacier Creek in Condon is one of those bridges that are going to receive probably in the neighborhood of 110,000 to do a quick fix on on that structure. Then there was 10 million set aside for discretionary match. That was a competitive um, I guess, grant for the local governments. We submitted a, an application and, and there was a, out of that 10 million, the, the most you could get was a million and it was first come first serve. We were able to get a million dollars out of that. So that's part of our match for raise. So we've already got a million dollars in the pot and we're applying for 25 million more to replace those bridges. What we need is letters of support from anybody in those communities or in any community in the area that is interested. So if you would like, we would love a letter of support. You can reach out to me. Uh, I'll just, I don't know, phone number. Do, uh, do we have anything on the website right now about that, Shane? I don't think we have anything on our on our website. We probably, Missoula County Voice. Yeah. yeah. But what I would just say is um, my phone, my cell phone is 830 uh, Shoot me a text. Uh, give me a call if, if you're interested. We just, we could use as many letters of support as possible. Um, Say and that number again more slowly. 830-0103. Um, okay. And, 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 with, and, and let's, oh, go ahead, Say Josh. without federal grants, state or federal grants, we don't have the resources to do any major infrastructure projects and bridges are fabulously expensive. Yep. And, and so let me touch on that project a little bit more. It's going to be, I think we're at around $28.5 million, right? And so I've, we've got a $25 million max and raise, and we've got the $1 million from MDT through Senate Bill 536, $26 million. That means we have to come up with $2.5 million. That's, that will come out of our bridge program. Um, and that basically means in order for us to cover those costs that, you know, we're probably going to have to do less work elsewhere. But what's really important is that we're able to replace all those bridges. And I, we're, this is part of a bigger strategy to address the deficient bridges that we have and, and I can tell you, like, most counties don't have the resources that we have, and we don't have enough. And I, I can't stress enough, like, this is an issue that, that we face across the country. What Missoula County did is we passed a gas tax, local option gas tax, in 2020. Oops. And it was repealed by the legislature in 21. We were able to collect, you know, it was originally planned to, to be able to generate revenue of $1.2 million dollars. And I, you know, there was questions about whether or not that was accurate. We collected probably nine or 10 months of funding. And if you would have drawn that out to the full 12 months, we were spot on with that estimate of about 1.2. And I think we'd probably be in the neighborhood of $1.4 million right now annually. That money, when I tell you that we have a, we have to come up with $2.6 million as a match, that's, that's two years of that funding. Right. And we're done. We've, we've got, then we had that mechanism to take care of that funding. And we don't have that now. And so. Uh, and it was it, something that people voted for. Exactly. And it's, you know, for me, there, there's a, you know, you've got callers calling in with some frustrations. I wait, can tell wait, you this, my wait, frustration is. We have is one that, minute left. Yep, so I know I, I've been watching the time. No, 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 you go ahead. You know, I think my frustration is, is as a society, we have not focused enough effort and attention on our infrastructure and you are seeing 
the results of that. You've got Boy Scout Bridge being closed. You've got McClay Bridge being closed. We had Moccasin closed a, a few years ago, and we were able to you know, repair that. But if we continue to go down the path we are today, you're going to see more and more bridges being closed. Okay, one more time. Website? Where, where, where do we go to get more information? Missoula, Missoula County, County Voice. Yeah. <laughs> go ahead. MissoulaCountyVoice.com. All right, and your phone number, Shane, uh, one more time. It's 406-830-0103. All right, I want to say thank you to all four of you for being here thank today. You, I, I know it's it, it's because you've got so much going on down at the courthouse. We appreciate you coming all the way down here, uh, braving the fog and, uh, you know, and, and talking with our listeners. I wish we had more time next time. Maybe we'll do two full hours, which would be great. So, Fantastic. But it's Thanks. always a pleasure. Thank you so much for being with thank us. You. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks, and, everyone. And, and thanks to all of our, our callers this morning. I'm sure I couldn't get you all on, but uh, we do have Walt Kiro on the way, uh, our resident CPA. So we'll be back after the top of the hour. Thanks again. This is Talkback, 721-1290 or 1-800-568-5309. This is News Talk KGVO, AM 1290 and 98.3 FM, KGVO. Missoula's News and Weather Station. Hey, welcome, welcome back, everybody. It's hour number two of Talk Back on this Wednesday, January 31st, brought to you by Harrington Surgical Supply, where they feel confident in Harrington Surgical Supply's discreet and knowledgeable guidance on a multitude of products and medical supplies. Also brought to you by Gomer's U.S. Diesel Parts. No matter how cold or frosty it might get, Gomer says everything you need to make sure your rig starts every time. Located at Palmer and West Broadway. Also brought to you by Y West Storage out of the Y on Two Smokes Way. They have a unit ready for you by calling 406-510-0590. Y West Storage making room for you. And by Phillips Janitorial. Residential and commercial cleaning, big or small, doesn't matter. Uh, give them a call, 406-260-6617. The views and opinions expressed on TalkBack are not those of the staff, management, or advertisers. Okay, after a whirlwind hour with our county commissioners and the, and the county engineer, uh, uh, Nick is right over there, waiting to take your phone calls this morning. Nick Christensen, I'm Peter Christian, and uh, we have Walt Carroll joining us here in the studio. Walt, good morning, sir. Well, good morning. Uh, a nice foggy morning, and boy... Isn't it interesting what bridges can do or not do? <laughs> Absolutely, yeah, yeah, and and uh, what they said at the end is very interesting. In in that infrastructure, you don't realize how important infrastructure is until it starts falling down around your ears, and then all of a sudden, oh, we want it fixed right away. Well, guess what? Uh, we probably could have done this incrementally over the years, but. We didn't want to do it. So, yeah. Well, there's a lot of varied interest, and the squeaky wheel gets the most grease. And right. if you uh, have a bunch of squeaky wheels who are opposed to something, you know, things will get delayed. Exactly. And oh, well, just like the the caller about Highway 93 south of Lolo. But you know, I just iterated to to you and Nick earlier uh, that uh, I come to work real real early in the morning. Not as early as Peter, but it's still early. And I have to stop at the stoplight now at the peak on Highway 93 because right. there's more traffic coming uh, from that direction. So the, the light changes and, you know, people on 93 get to stop so those folks can get in. And up until that bridge closed, I rarely had to stop. Now it's every other time I'm coming through. So, so the times they are a changing, right? Yeah, yeah, you bet. So, and and we're not even sure if that particular bridge 
is salvageable. I mean, they're they're going to try to fix it, or or are they going to wait and and get the uh, and get the funding for the bridge over South Avenue at the end of South Avenue, which is uh, as scheduled, they said for 2026, but we don't know. So yeah, yeah. Anyway, yeah. Well, uh, it's it, that's going to have a big impact. There's a ton of people in Big Flat that yeah. use that bridge. You bet. You bet. Anyhow. So, anyway, so here we are, uh, and, and we are here to talk about. We have an amazing list of stuff here. Yes. Uh, your, your, your stack of stuff, as you like to call it. Yeah. Uh, I, I've got eight different issues with a whole bunch of subtitles here. Oh, so, yeah. Sub, yeah. Subchapters. <laughs> All right. And, uh, now, we already have a, a caller on the line. Uh, oh, let's, uh, let's get him taken care of. John, good morning. You're on with Walt Kiro. Go ahead, sir. Hi, John. Good morning. How are you doing, Walt? Oh, better than I deserve. Peter, everybody. Yeah. Um, well, I don't really have a tax question for you in, in, per se, but didn't we build a big bridge over the top of a street that took uh, tax money? Oh, you're talking about Reserve Street? Yes, sir. Oh, the footbridge, yeah. That was a $5 million uh, uh bridge, what I understand. I, I don't know where the money came from, but it was spent. Yeah. You, you, you know, the commissioners were just in, and some of that money is, you know, local money, but sometimes it's federal money and a combination thereof. So I, I don't remember where all that money came from, but it got spent. Yeah, yeah it just seems like the priorities are for tax dollars are put wherever, you know, certain people want to put them and other areas are ignored. But anyway. That's my comment. All right, th- thank, yeah. th- thanks for the call. Uh, not not much to do with uh, with taxes, but here here you go. So, oh yeah, yeah. well it, it does to a certain extent because the driver for taxes is spending, and uh, uh, until we get a good handle on spending, and even back in the continental days and uh, the revolutionary days, they uh, they spent money back then too, and the only problem was they didn't have any to spend. Right, exactly. So yeah. uh, it, it makes it difficult. And and uh, you know I haven't studied it as well as I would like, but even in those earlier days, had they introduced the concept of fiscal responsibility with the initial constitution, I think it would answer and have saved us a lot of heartaches. I heard a story uh, Rand Paul told on the floor of the House about Davy Crockett when he was in Congress. Yeah. And uh, th- this was in the infancy of the, of the, of the nation. Mm-hmm. And uh, a, a woman, evidently her house burned down and, they, the, and the folks, uh, she was beloved by all, all the people in the, in the, uh, there in Washington. And they wanted to uh, float a, a loan to her from the United States government to have her build, rebuild her house. Right. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and Davy Crockett said, you know, um, I think it's going to cost about $20,000 to build her house. I'll bet you, what you should do instead of putting this on the people of the United States, is everybody here in Congress, why don't they chip in some money out of their own pockets and help this lady? Because we shouldn't be burdening the people of America with individual persons' problems. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. I'm just laughing as a, wow, whatever happened to that philosophy, right? Yeah, I went out the window and down the toilet or wherever. Yeah. And then think nowadays with all the illegal Immigrants coming in yep. and us paying their bills for whatever. Uh, it's, it's like our spending's gone mad. 
It certainly has. And so has our debt. So we're going to come mm-hmm. right back. 721 is our number. We have Mike and both, both Mike and Wingnut are both waiting to visit okay. with you. We're going to do that when we come back from the break. And several other phone lines open for our, our resident CPA, Walt Kiro from Kiro Byington and Associates, back right after this. Looking for top-notch freezing fog will continue to be a problem for the Missoula, Bitterroot, Mission, and Flathead Valleys through Thursday and could be persistent all day long because of the strong high-pressure ridge. Very little wind to allow mixing. Where the sun does come out, though, in the afternoon, highs will once more climb to around 50 degrees. Overnight lows remaining in the upper 20s and low 30s. A weak disturbance will bring a chance of rain Friday, especially for northwest Montana, and that could lead to more freezing rain with light snow in the passes. That chance of rain climbs to 60% in Missoula by Friday night. Okay, welcome back to Talk Back. 721-1290 is our number. Walt Kiro joining us here in the studio this morning from Kiro Byington and Associates, our resident CPAs. And we do have callers waiting, so let's jump right in and say good morning to Mike. Mike, good morning. You're on with Walt. Hi, Mike. Uh, good morning, you guys. I got a question, of course. My wife is on Social Security income. Yeah. Um, I've been told that you don't have to pay taxes below $25,000. Is that correct? Uh, as long as your non-Social Security income is below 25000 That would apply if you're married, filing separate, or single. But since you are, uh, I assume you would be filing joint, Mike. And if that's the case, then it's like about 35000 of non-Social Security income. So I was going to ask you if we should be filing uh, married but separately, but... Uh, that would be the case then? Uh, generally, uh, you know, like 90 plus percent of federal taxpayers pay less when they file married joint than when they file married separate. And uh, okay. uh, on Montana, it's different because Montana is a different tax structure when it comes to rates and so on. And so generally in Montana, you're better off filing married separate than joint. But the only way to know for sure is uh, to actually do the return. And fortunately, I pay an ungodly amount of money for my tax software. (laughs) But it does that function. It tells me what's the uh, least expensive tax. Okay, so she has no uh, income other than her Social Security. Sure, yeah. So I'm trying to follow this, and I'm sorry, but... So do I even need to uh, count her income then if we uh, file uh, jointly? Yeah, uh, yeah. You uh, when you file jointly, you would include all of your income, all of her income, your Social Security, her Social Security, and uh, see what happens after that. But generally, if you don't have much income other than Social Security, uh, generally it's not going to be taxable, and uh, you're not going to have any tax, but. Sometimes you might have twenty, thirty thousand of uh, uh, retirement income from non-social security sources, but even at that point, you won't have a, a, a tax, bec- you know, because your standard deduction is close to thirty thousand dollars. Okay. So I don't think Already. you're going to be in any trouble, Mike, unless you, you know, uh, have a bunch of rental income or whatnot. No, the only income that we have is her Social Security and my work income. Uh huh. And and so, it, it, how how much is your work income? About thirty four. Oh, okay. I I you're going to be right on the edge, and I think you'll be okay, just because that when you file married joint, 
there's a, a, a complex table that uh, my software calculates. Uh, but uh, 35000 is about what you can make in non-Social Security income, including your work income. And, you know, you should be good to go. I can't guarantee it, but I'm what, I, what I'm envisioning, how your return would look, I don't think you're going to have any trouble. But I'm, I'm very sorry, Walt. I still don't understand. Should, should I counter income or not? Oh, it, it, I would... Uh, Yes. Uh, when you when you do your calculations of married filing joint, you would include her income. But I don't think uh, under that under filing under that basis, you're going to have any trouble. If you file married separately, you may be uh, uh, creating more tax and uh, the tax wouldn't be so much on you, but additional tax. But it would be on her because of they change the tables on when Social Security starts getting taxed. Okay. Okay. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate that. And you guys have a good day. Thank yeah. You. And, uh, you know, if you have any further questions, when the time comes, uh, we'll be happy to answer them. All right. Thanks for the call. Okay. We appreciate All it. Right. Uh, let's go ahead and get Mr. Wingnut on. Mr. Nutt, you're on with Walt Kiro. Go ahead. Well, good, good morning. Good morning. Questions this morning. I had a couple questions this morning, and the, the first one was: It appears that the state of Montana, out of the goodness of their heart, has decided to return uh, a part, uh, part of what they pilfered from Montana property owners, and I, also known as a the rebate, and I was wondering: Is that reportable as income? Okay, <clears throat> it's a good question. And uh, I'll just, in fact, Montana just came out with a statement from the Department of Revenue that for Montana income tax purposes, neither the income tax rebate nor the property tax rebate is going to be taxable. That's on the Montana return. However, if you itemized your deductions on your federal return last year, uh, and got a benefit from those taxes, then it may be taxable to you. But since about, you know, the percentage is high, probably more than two-thirds of the federal taxpayers are taking the standard deduction. If you took a standard deduction, uh, then you're not going to have to pay tax on that property tax rebate nor the income tax rebate. So it depends on your facts and circumstances, Mr. Wingnut, but generally, I would, you know, the odds are really good that you're probably not going to have to report that as income. Okay, I, I do itemize. Okay. Uh, the second question I had is, is I just received uh, from eBay a, a form 1099-K. Yeah. Are you familiar with that? Yep, yep. So, you know, I, I have... Uh, an, Last year, I sold a number of pieces of e- equipment and tools, yeah. uh, musical instruments, and uh-huh. but I obviously I paid more for you know those um, items than what I sold them for. Yeah, although I I tend to buy top quality, so I can you know resell them in the future. Mm-hmm. So my question is, how, how is that going to be uh, affect my return? Okay. If I itemize. Okay. Uh, on on your return, a 1099K indicates that you sold something uh, 
on eBay or whatever. So when you you report that, usually most people would report that on a Schedule C, sole proprietorship. And Peter's well familiar with that one. Love my Schedule C. And, and so you report the sale price at the gross amount. And let's just say whatever the 1099K is. But you get to deduct from that under cost of goods sold or purchased items the cost that you paid for those. So you can, in your case, uh, sell some of your stuff at a loss. So uh, yeah. the, the 1099K is a functionary to report income. And so what you want to do is report that income. But, boy, you want to pick up your cost. And how, you have to have proof of, of what you paid for it because it's been you know years and sometimes decades since uh, this stuff was purchased. Oh, okay. So this is old stuff. You've had it for a long time. Uh, do you need proof? Uh, it's best to have proof, but it, yeah, you can uh, you know claim it, and then if it comes up, then uh, that you're under audit, then you can. Uh, uh, um, do what you can to prove how much you paid for it. But so like if you bought a Stradivarius 10 years ago for a million dollars and you sell it for 800,000, yeah, it, it, you know, it's best to have proof, but is it uh, 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 necessary? Not in in the case of something that's more than three years old. And I was going to talk about the statute of limitations later, but... Uh, do you have any wherewithal to prove how much you paid for these things? Um, maybe by, you know, this is, this is what the cost is today. This is what, if I bought this today, this is how much it would be. Sure. Sure. Um, if you understand uh, that. Yeah. And if you don't have an invoice or a canceled check or a, a credit card statement that indicates how much you paid for that, uh, you can write yourself a note and say, hey, on August 6th, uh, 2001, uh, right before 9-11, I paid X dollars for this. And here's who, here's who I paid. Okay. Mr. Nutt, we're, we're way past a break. Uh, thanks, thanks for the call. We're going to come right back. We have a, a call. Time. You bet. We have a caller. Hey, thank we you. have a caller question when we come back, and all of our phone lines are, are, are clear. So you have a question for Walt, give us a call. 721-1290. We'll be right back. Need to replace your Social Security card? In most states, you can request one online with a My Social Security account. A My Social Security account gives you secure access to your personal earnings history and benefit status. You can also get a proof of income letter, estimate and apply for benefits, and more. Save time. Go online. Open a My Social Security account at ssa.gov slash myaccount. Social Security. Securing today and tomorrow. Produced at U.S. taxpayer expense. Okay, we're back on TalkBack. 721-1290 is our number, 1-800-568-5309. Uh, Walt Carroll joining us here in the studio this morning, our resident CPA from Carroll Byington and Associates. Nick, we have a caller question. Please go ahead. Yeah, a caller wanted to know what's deductible and what isn't when it comes to health care in general. Okay, uh, when it comes to health care, uh, it gets very complex because we have a federal set of rules and we have a Montana set of rules. And I'll go with the easy one first. Montana, you can deduct 100% of your health insurance premiums regardless of your income. And that's if you itemize. 
If you don't itemize and if you're self-employed, you can deduct health insurance premiums to the extent of your net income from your self-employment. And that's true also on the federal return. On both the federal and Montana returns, uh, you can deduct medical expenses out of pocket, including health insurance, if you itemize. And if you itemize, you can deduct them to the extent they exceed 7.5% of your adjusted gross income. Then, after you've calculated all your medical expenses uh, and have a, a net deduction after the uh, the floor that you, you can deduct, then you add it with your other itemized deductions, such as property taxes, mortgage interest, donations, that kind of thing. And then you compare your itemized deductions with your standard. And if you're married filing joint uh, on the federal return, the standard deduction now is almost like $28,000. And so uh, most people nowadays are uh, taking the standard on the federal return because it's more beneficial. So, but the medical expenses, uh, you know, anything you pay out of pocket, the only medical expenses you cannot deduct are elective surgeries or cosmetic things uh, and and things of that nature. So, uh, yeah, that's that's it in a nutshell. But it gets very complex. And that's why it's important to have somebody oh. to, to talk to about Oh, it. yeah. It, All right. Let's get uh, Lisa on the line. Uh, Lisa, you're on with Walt Carroll. Go ahead, please. What's your question? Hi, Lisa. Well, good morning. Um, it's kind of a little bit drawn-out question. Uh, I am standing to inherit some money uh, from a property that my parents had in Berlin. And after all these years and after the Germany reunited, we received the property back and had to prove it, of course. Uh-huh. And it has been just laying around. Nobody did anything about it until here just in the last few months. My husband, my brother is deceased. He lived in Germany. Uh-huh. And his wife uh, went ahead and now got the paperwork done and it's supposed to be sold. And now if I get some money, which I suppose I should, then do I declare this as an income or how would I go about listing this on my next income tax? Okay. Okay. Uh, Lisa, uh, just has a has an aside uh my wife and i and my brother-in-law were in berlin in august had a wonderful time but that being said glad to hear that (laughs) yeah uh that being said uh uh i'm assuming let me ask you a few questions did you uh uh when your parents died or after your uh the 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 last parent to die is that when you uh inherited the property my mother was still alive when she uh, went to Berlin and different um, government agency and proved that she was the owner now of this property. My dad had been had <coughs> been deceased already. Sure. Okay. So she actually was the original <coughs> inheritor to this property. So then my brother 
I and my sister were the next in line uh-huh. after my mother died. Right. And my my sister passed on, and she has two children that live in St. Louis, and no problem there. They're the ones that would get her share. And then my brother passed away, and he had married uh, not too shortly before he passed away. But he also has a daughter that was he was in no uh, relationship with her for many, many years, came out of a first marriage, who knows when. And then, of course, she when she found out that her dad passed away, she had to prove that she was the daughter. And so she's in line, too. And it also interests me, how would this now um, go from my... Would that go... Uh, partially to his wife and partially to the daughter. Uh, how would they actually determine that? Uh, t- t- tell you what. Lisa, here's what we're going to do. We're ag- up against a break. We're going to hold on. Yeah. We're going to keep you on the line. And we're going to take our break, come back. And I know Walt really wants to answer this because so, he's he's smiling. Mm-hmm. So 721-1290 <laughs> is our number. We're coming right back uh, with Lisa's question. We also have Jeff waiting on the line and other lines open for Walt Kiro, who'll be with us till 10 o'clock. Oh, fascinating, fascinating inheritance issues. And uh, uh, Walt Carroll joining us here in the studio and Lisa's on the line. Okay, I'm going to just get straight to the point. The bottom line is, Lisa, yes, you'll have to declare the sale of of that property on your U.S. income tax return. The reason is, is Montana taxes your world, the United States and Montana will tax you on your worldwide income. Okay. That being said, okay. you you declare your share of the sale price, but you also yeah. get to pick up uh, at the date of death when your mom passed and you inherited uh, your share of this property. The market fair market value at the date of death becomes your cost. So, uh, oh. you know, that greatly, in a lot of cases, greatly cuts down your tax bill on that. Yeah. And because over the years, the property over there hasn't declined either. It's probably gone up. Sure. And, but, uh, but the other thing to take into account, whatever was, uh, if you paid out of pocket to improve that property, you can declare that in your cost. Now, I'm sure the German tax authorities wanted their hair cut from that too. Oh, I suppose. Okay. And when, <laughs> when you... Uh, uh, pay the German tax on that property, you can claim that on your federal uh, tax return has a credit. Uh, And so it gets very complicated. But the whole point is, is we try to avoid having two uh, uh, income taxes on the same income, whether it's German or U.S. Yeah, but it can be clarified then when the time comes. Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay, I'll, I'll know what to expect. And like I say, I, it don't matter to me. We, I had given up on the whole idea of ever getting anything out of it. And if it's just $2,000, it's fine. And if it's more, it's even better. But um, I just wanted to know if I had to do that. Yes. Being said it was, yeah. Okay, I thank you very much. Oh, thank you, Lisa. Best nice of luck. talking best to you. Best of yeah. luck, Lisa. Good luck to you. Let's get Jeff on the line. Yeah. Jeff, good morning. You are on Talkback with Walt. Please go ahead. Hi, Jeff. Hey, good morning, Walt. It's always a uh, experience of a fortnight to be able to chat with you. Uh, well, 
Uh, I appreciate the opportunity. Yes. Um, question on the rebate that we got, the income tax rebate. Yeah. Uh, as most Montanans do, my wife and I filed uh, separately because uh, it was cheaper or we would pay less tax. Right. Um, and because she did not earn an income, she did not get a rebate. Mm-hmm. So generally speaking, is it worthwhile to refile filing jointly rather than filing separately? Um and pay an additional tax, but get more back in the rebate? I guess another way of asking the question is, how much extra generally do you think does a person have to pay income tax to get the $1,250? Okay, Jeff, with that question, and I was asked that question back when these uh, rebates were getting kicked out, I kind of hypothesized what would happen. And it, it, you could increase your tax bill and then get it rebated to you, but you're just going to tread water on that because you're not going to get any more than what you pay in. Does that make sense? Uh, no, I, I I'm not tracking. Okay. If you, if you went back and amended your return to increase your tax bill by filing a joint return and this is we're talking right. this is all montana taxes and then you get to get a rebate the amount of your rebate is going to be the same as the increase in your tax and oh, okay. and and the state would probably you know, throw curves at you the, that would uh, prevent you from even doing that. Not that it would cost the state anything except for the processing of the paper or the returns. Uh, I just didn't see a benefit of trying to do that. I, I wondered that myself and I actually had a client ask me that question. And so, yeah, it's, uh, I didn't see, it was like treading water. Zero sum game. So for one, one, name one dollar more and you get one dollar back. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. Okay. Dang, I thought I could find my retirement with this, so I guess I'll have another plan. Yeah, I wouldn't count on it. All right. All right. Okay. Thanks, thanks, for, th- thanks for the call, sir. Uh, I think we have time to get Larry's call in before we take a break. Larry, thanks for holding. You're on Talk Back with Walt. Go ahead. Yes, good morning. Uh, I was wondering, uh, Walt, uh, a couple shows ago, I think you talked about the changes to the Montana state uh, income taxes. And uh, I'm getting ready to uh, withhold my RMD for um, 2024. Yeah. And I wondered if that change would affect uh, what I need to withhold for those 2024 state taxes? Yeah, I think it would, but just slightly. Um, here's what's going to happen. In 2024, on the 2024 Montana tax return, you're going to, you're uh, not going to be able to file differently in Montana as you do with the Fed. So if you file joint on the federal return, you're going to file joint in Montana. Montana will use the same standard deduction as the federal. So, uh, and then also they're going to drop the Montana income tax rates to like 4.7 and 5.9 instead of 6.75 or 6.9 now. So there will be a decrease of about 1%. So, the answer to your question, Larry, is yeah, I would 
I wouldn't say you'd have to, but you could drop your uh, withholding on the minimum distribution, but just slightly. You know, I. Okay. Okay. Great. Well, thanks so much. Larry, you bet. Larry, Talk thanks. to you later. You thanks, bet. Thanks, thanks for Larry. the call. Okay, that leaves all the phone lines free. If you have a tax question for Walt, uh, get in, 721-1290. But you have a whole bunch of stuff here. I, I'm fascinated by, especially when I see Hunter Biden and Joe Biden and oh, yeah. Donald Trump and all, all that good stuff. You, you've you been doing some research here. So, oh, yeah. Well, yeah. it's just thrown at us we'll, daily. We'll, we'll come back and hopefully get that. Or better yet, your phone calls at 721-1290 with Walt Kiro right after this. Visit. Welcome back to Talk Back, everybody. Good to have you along. Walt Kiro joining us here in the studio this morning. Our resident CPA from Kiro Byington and Associates, Joanne, has been waiting through the break. So, Joanne, good morning and welcome. Hi, Joanne. Good morning. Uh, I had a question about uh, your required minimum distribution. Yeah. If you have several accounts, do you have to withdraw the minimum from each of the accounts or can you just make one withdrawal? Uh, the answer is you can just make one withdrawal, but there's some caveats to that. And the caveats are are, are all your uh, IRA accounts or uh, minimum distribution accounts in one brokerage account or one bank? Are they all in one house? No. Oh, okay. When they're spread out, it gets more difficult uh, 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 because then... If you wanted to take it from just one IRA account, and let's say you have four, uh, then the the financial institutions that are uh, the caretakers of that, those funds need to get coordinated, and some will do it and some won't. Uh, I have three IRA accounts, and uh, but they're all in one investment place, and I can... Uh, I can pull the money out of one account to cover for the other two required minimum distributions. So the answer is yes in, in some circumstances and no in, 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 in others. And so what you would need to do, Joanne, is call your broker uh, uh, from the account you want to take that money and say, hey, can I do this? And, uh, you know, you'll be off to the races once you get that answer. Okay. Well, thank you. <laughs> yeah, you're going to have a, 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 it's going to be interesting. So uh, call back and let us know what you find out. You bet. Joanne, thanks for the call. We appreciate it, Matt. Okay, so so you, you, you brought us a big stack of stuff. And in lieu of a call, we'd love to have calls, of course. Yeah. But uh, you got a whole bunch of stuff here. Uh, and uh, much of it is very interesting. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we talk about uh, this a fellow by the name of Charles Littlejohn. Right. He just this past week got uh, sentenced for to five years in prison. What did Mr. Littlejohn do? Well, he unauthorized, in an author unauthorized fashion, disclosed tax records of Donald J. Trump and thousands of other taxpayers. And he was uh, a subcontractor to the IRS. But he worked very diligently to hack the IRS information, even wow. though he had authorization to get into it. So he hacked in, got Donald Trump's tax returns and thousands of others, and then started disclosing them. Wow. And so uh, once they found out about that, uh, they charged him. And uh, no, I'm taking that's not legal. <laughs> it's definitely not legal. Okay. Just in fact, any tax preparer right. 
who does it for a fee is not is required not to disclose. And if you do disclose, you get in trouble. Right. In fact, Peter, because I do your taxes, if you wanted to say, Walt, can you send a copy of my taxes to XYZ Bank or XYZ Mortgage Company? And I'll say, Peter, yeah, we'll, we'll be glad to do that. But I need to get a consent from you in writing before right. I can disclose that. Right. So, yeah, what this guy did, as the judge said, the judge who sentenced him to five years in the pokey. Uh, uh, and by said, the way, this is a federal crime, so it's five full years. Yeah, five full years. Right. He's, she said to him, he was attacking our constitutional democracy and criticized the Department of Justice for only bringing up one count because he had done it to thousands of people. Wow. Yeah, so he kind of got off scot-free. I don't know, you know, what star he was born under, but <laughs> he got lucky on this one because he could have been in jail for the rest of his life. And some of that had to do with Hunter Biden, right? Uh, not not Little John. He was just... Uh, well, he, he was the one that did Trump. Yeah. Trump's taxes, Yeah, he yeah. did Trump. But okay. the next guy, an, an, an attorney, okay. uh, with, uh, uh, it was Hunter Biden's attorney. Kevin Morris, and he was not only his attorney, but he became a cash cow for, for Hunter because he lent Hunter money to pay his taxes that he had underreported. So uh, when Kevin Morris just a week or two ago was testifying in Congress because he was subpoenaed, he invoked attorney-client privilege 17 times. So the upshot of that is who knows what's going to happen here, but it's not good. And the reason it's not good is Mr. Morris, who's a Hollywood attorney, is going to get in trouble because he's an attorney representing a client and then he loaned money to a client. And in California, I'm sure it's this way in Montana, it would be a good thing to see if attorneys could call in and say, can you, under the canons of ethics, loan your clients money in these kinds of situations? Uh, I, you know, I, I don't know those kinds of rules because I'm not an attorney, thankfully. And uh, it, it's just that's going to be a big problem for Mr. Morris down the road. No. Will something happen to him? Probably not. But he'll probably get, you know, his hand slapped. Is anything ever going to happen to Hunter Biden with all the tax situations that he's been in? Or well, does he continue to skip across the water like he's uh, like he's walking on water here? Well, I think it it was it was direct it was headed that direction, Peter. But uh, this judge in Delaware smelled a rat, and uh, the 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 plea deal that Hunter and his attorneys worked out with the U.S. attorney in Delaware was to uh, uh, Hunter was going to plead guilty to two misdemeanors on tax evasion, and and that would have not included any jail time, but the judge saw that she had uh, it just felt like the whole uh, plea agreement was wrong and so she asked some very basic questions and it just blew blew up and so instead of entering a plea deal hunter had to plead innocent of the charges and so the rest is kind of history now uh, uh I, the attorney uh u.s attorney in california has got charges filed against him in uh, in california on federal uh, tax charges. But the interesting thing along the way there was the two IRS whistleblowers, and these are 
experienced IRS professionals inside uh, the Washington, D.C. office. They recommended that uh, uh, fraud tax fraud charges be leveled against Hunter. And the reason I, I put down on here one of my bullet points is the statute of limitations. Mm. And this is one thing that just drove me absolutely crazy because uh, I know a tax uh, court judge uh, who's retired now, a good friend, and both he and I just don't see how the IRS let the statute of limitations of six years go by on Hunter Biden on that Burisma Ukraine income. And so in my 50 years of practice, I've never seen the IRS allow a statute to toll. That's a fancy word for expire. So uh, Hunter Biden got special treatment no matter what they say. We're going to come right back. By the way, phone lines are open. If you have a tax question for Walt Kiro, he's here for another eight minutes or so, and he'd love to answer your tax questions. So we're going to come right back. 721-1290 is our number or 1-800-568-5309. Coming right back in one minute. Hey, have you seen winter? The talk back. Peter Christian here into questions and right over there, taking your phone calls, producing talk back every day. Walt Carroll joining us in the studio this morning, and Vic is standing by. Vic, good morning. Hi, Vic. Good morning, guys. Uh, so, I've been here in Op and on, and and I unfortunately my my taxpayer retired, but we were talking the other day. Mm-hmm. So, anyways, isn't Aren't you supposed to be able to now, or they're working on you being able to do your taxes on the IRS website? Yeah. It's kind of a TurboTax thing, but I guess it's like limited this year. Yeah, it's limited on the forms they're doing, and it's limited to certain states, and Montana is not one of those states. Now, oh, okay. Uh, okay. It's kind of interesting. Lisa was calling back, uh, had a question, and it involved Germany. Well, when I was in Finland in 2014, 2015, uh, we stayed with some uh, acquaintances there. And come to find out, their tax system is totally different. And most of Europe's tax system is is headed down this road. Of One of my concerns about that that you're bringing up, Vic, is if you're going to use the IRS for anything, you're dealing with the fox guard in the hen house. And so uh, I would just, I would just, you know, it's, it's probably going to be fine, but I would be extremely careful in dealing with the fox. And, uh, well, just uh, my taxes are fairly simple. I'm retired and yeah. social security and a little, little pension. And that's about it. Yeah. And, and, and you would probably be okay doing that. You wouldn't have to pay a fee for that, but, um, I, I here's some things to be yeah. careful of when That's dealing. Okay. Uh, here's some things. I'm calling you because I have the same feeling. Yeah. Um. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, because there's things you aren't aware of that happens when you file a tax return. Because, well, let's say you give them your bank account information to do a direct deposit. And because you don't know all do. the details and the software is written in such a way that, oh... I gave them my bank account information. <laughs> I gave them the the number where they can do my refund. But if you owe them a tax, yeah. bingo, you have to be extremely careful. 
And oh, so, I mean, sure, okay. I yeah, and, and those are things you just don't think of. Well, yeah, this is a good deal, free software. And and then, you know, dollars to donuts, if something can go wrong, it will. And once the IRS or the government has your money, oh, man. then it's all kinds of mea culpas and mother may I get my money back. And and it's, right, yeah, it's well, not always account. easy. Like <laughs> I could just I could just see a a, a a text from or an email from the IRS saying, you know, we've noticed that you're spending uh, so much money on such and such and so and so. You might want to think about. It. And I'm going, what? You know. So anyway, yeah. uh, well, I'm thinking, oh, wrong. You don't get a refund. Yeah, your bill. Yeah, because <laughs> right. Well, also, I mean, I I wasn't even thinking about that, but Peter brought it up. Is you give them your bank account information to the IRS. Well, what if the IRS gives it to the the Secretary of the Treasury and oh, he or she's oh, got right, an agreement that, with yeah. the CIA, the FBI, the NSA, and all that other governmental uh, soup kitchen. And yeah, uh, well, it's like I just got done doing the uh, um, census report. So yeah, I really hope a lot of this information doesn't get out there, even though you claim it. Yeah. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, and and uh, but now don't they have my account already from my direct deposits? Uh, they, uh, the bank does, the bank does, okay, but okay. the IRS doesn't. The only, uh, the only way the IRS can get it is if they get a subpoena and come after your records. Right, yeah. Well, no, I mean, when I get a refund, you know, it's just a direct deposit refund. Oh, yeah. Uh, it, yeah. I asked her if I needed a pin, and she said I'd have to actually make up a new pin if that was the case. Yep. Mm-hmm. Hey, yep. Vic, thanks yeah. for the call. We got we to try to oh, get yeah. one. One more call in before Good we... Good luck, Vic. Uh, Jerry, real quickly, we've got about a minute and a half. What's your question? Hi, Jerry. Hey, um, well, uh, my question is the timing. Uh, when do you need to get your uh, our information to you best uh, to, to get our taxes done? I'm down here. I've been kind of slow getting them and getting my 1099s uh, down here in the warmer yeah. weather. Mm-hmm. So what is, what is the timing to get that information to you to get stuff out? Well, usually is the best time is by the end of February, but sometimes people don't get their brokerage 1099s and information like that. Uh, usually by now you'll have your W-2s and your 1099-Rs for your retirements. And uh, In fact, last week uh, my wife and I just got our Social Security statements uh, and... So, but usually by the end of February is when you're going to have everything, and that's an optimal time because we still have six weeks to get the returns done by that right, time. Right. So, I would use February uh, 29th this year as a, as a guidepost. Thank you very much. Jerry, yeah. that's great. Thanks for the call, Jerry. Okay. Good luck, Jerry. Okay, so we have exactly one minute left in our time together. So that's just enough time to get some uh, some contact information for folks who want to uh, maybe use you this taxi. Sure. We are at 269 West Front, downtown Missoula. Uh, and uh, you can reach me at 406-549-2288. Again, 406-549-2288. We have a website. Carol Byington CPAs, and that is K as in Carol, B as in Byington. Uh, so KBCPAS for CPAs.net. So we appreciate talking to you. Always a pleasure. All right. So, Mr. Nick, what's coming up on tomorrow's fabulous program, sir? 
Uh, we're going to do open phones for an hour and a half from 8 to 9.30. Woo, wow. And then we're going to speak with non-invasive cardiologist Dr. Weiss from Community Medical Center about Heart Health Month. All right. From sounds, 9.30 to 10. Sounds good. So get ready, everybody. We've got open phones for, wow, 90 minutes coming up.